Well, welcome to the Music Education Technology Podcast. I'm Chris Russell, and uh, with me is Paul Shimmons. Paul, why don't you say hi? Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. And we're here today with Dan Scott. Um, Dan is an orchestra teacher in Michigan, and I ran into him when I had a chance to visit Paul in person at the Michigan Music Conference last year. And I know I asked Dan to come on to talk a little bit about orchestra and technology and orchestra, and we'll see where the conversation goes today. So Dan, why don't you introduce yourself and tell people what you do and kind of how you use technology. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you, guys. I've uh, enjoyed your podcast since episode one, and I'm really honored to be a part of it. Uh, I have been teaching for 21 years in Jenison Public Schools. It's a little suburb of West Michigan, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and um, uh, it's a pretty exciting place to teach music. Uh, our marching band just won the state competition for Flight 2, and uh, I've been, when I came here, the orchestra had um, one orchestra at the high school, one orchestra at our junior high, and then fifth and sixth grade, and now we have uh, four orchestras at the high school and three orchestras at the junior high and fifth and sixth grade and four staff members, so uh, it's been really fun. I started here uh, after teaching in Kalamazoo Public Schools for six months, where I did elementary music, and um, uh, that was a great opportunity because my wife is an elementary music teacher, so I just asked her for my lesson plan every day. (laughs) 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 And then, um, and now I um, teach basically high school and then our sixth graders, which is our second year in Jenison, and then I assist with fifth graders. And uh, I got my master's degree in educational technology about 10 years ago and try and incorporate technology in whatever I do every day. The hard part for orchestra teachers is we tend to be the kind of poor stepsisters of the technology thing. Like when smart music came on the board, the microphone didn't hear string instruments. So we're always trying to figure our way in or a lot of times... um, uh, note reading games or note reading software won't have alto clef for my viola section. So sometimes we have to work harder to get heard or be noticed. Or, um, uh, But uh, things lately have been including all of us really well. And I think orchestra programs are seeing a little bit of a growth in the country and we're getting recognized more and more. So, How many orchestra programs are there down around your way, Dan? You know, uh, it's funny because in uh, there's kind of an imaginary line in Michigan, right? I think north of Lansing, there's like maybe five programs in the state. Exactly, but, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But south of Michigan, if it's a class, I don't think there's a class B or A high school or, of course, double A in south, southern, you know, south of Lansing that doesn't have an orchestra, except for a couple over by the Detroit schools. But in, in Ottawa County, where I'm at... Um, all the immediate districts around me have orchestras. Kent County all have orchestras. Um, District 10, you know, the MSBOA system. Uh, I think we have 21 orchestra programs in District 10. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, because like you said up here, it's just like non, not even hardly heard of. So Right. Exactly. What school district are you at again, Paul? We're in uh, Farwell High School here. Okay. And that's, that's District 9. And there's, yeah, there's no nobody in orchestra in our district at all. So. Yeah. Is Minnesota any better? It's a mixed bag in Minnesota. Um, there are string programs all over. Our district added one about, I don't know, about six years ago. And those kids have all now, maybe it's longer than that, maybe it's nine years. Um, but those kids, that program is now going. And we've got, you know, three high schools with orchestras and 
orchestras with you know by grade level in each of the middle schools and things but it's it's kind of a mixed bag in our larger we're, we're in the twin cities so it's a pretty large metro area um it's less it's less common not to have an orchestra program anymore that's awesome yeah outstate though is a whole different matter just kind of like you're saying like northern michigan it's the same deal it's not everybody's going to have it well i'm a trombone player so i can still relate to you guys so <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Now, I, what I'm kind of curious, Dan, is that you said you got your master's degree in educational tech 10 years ago. And there's two questions I have with that. One was, were you thinking about a career change? And the other question is, how much of that is still useful? <laughs> Those are the two questions. Uh, <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I went into it with a career change in mind. Um, I I really went into it because our at the time, our district was really pushing uh, people getting computer experience. So they were paying for the classes, um, the early computer classes. So I got my first 12 credits for free. And then I had to get pay for six on my own. And then, then my district paid for the rest after you had your 18, based on a weird way they do the um, licensing here in the state of Michigan or cert- certification. But um, so that was my initial plan. Now I've I do find myself having a lot of uh, getting a lot of enjoyment out of helping other teachers with technology. And if the right director of technology program came up, I might consider it. But I also love teaching orchestra, so I don't know. As far as what still applies, it's funny you say that because my thesis was based on one to one computing, which is still a big deal. But I wrote music theory software for Palm Pilots. Do you oh, remember yeah. those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Because my vision was that every kid would have a Palm Pilot next to their seat and they'd pick it up and do a music theory lesson on it and then put it down and it would submit the data for me and it was going to save me all kinds of time and stuff like that. And I wrote the software and finished it. Well, I only had to do a chapter, you know, like a chapter of the software. So I did like five lessons and six months later, the iPhone came out. Oh, boy. (laughs) So the Palm Pilot disappeared pretty quickly. Dan, have you done anything with writing software for um, iPads, iPhones? Yeah, I never, I haven't. I really want, that's something I'd really be interested in is pursuing some coding. And there's so many free, um, you know, opportunities to do that, but I just haven't done it. And, uh, um, oh, what's the new new, uh, software that uh, came out with iOS that Apple's really celebrate? Swift, yeah, that's it. It's supposed to be great and very easy but I just haven't had the time to dig into it. I had a wife and children instead. So. <laughs> that changes things, yeah. <laughs> I was about to ask whether you were you were actually programming or not, so that kind of answered that question. What what program was or what language was the uh, Palm Pilot using at the time? You know, I don't even know what the language was called. I used a a really basic software editor that they provided for us, and it was a lo- pretty drag and droppy. And I just had to um, do a lot of like design. I would actually design the um, the layout in Claris Works, and then export it as an image, and then use the images. And then you, it was very HTML like, but it wasn't HTML. I can't remember what it was. It was a real, you know, like um, what do they call it? Um, uh, skim, you know, that I would just work inside of, and then it would create all the code for you. All right. So let me, let me take you to um, your current job, and I'm kind of curious just for the sake of other orchestra teachers. So I know that I've talked about how I use technology in my day to other choir directors. I know Paul's talked about how he uses technology 
to his other fellow band directors. Kind of question, uh, kind of curious, Dan, how you use technology throughout the day as an orchestra teacher, and, and what you could fill us in on how you might do some things that are different or do some things that are the same. Yeah, well, I know you guys are both iPad Pro users, right? Yep. Correct. Yeah, I tell you, I love my iPad Pro. I got, I have the first uh, first generation one, and uh, I, it it goes everywhere with me. Um, all my scores are on it for in uh, four score, uh, like I think you guys, and um, and then my tuning app uh, is basically Tonal Energy because since they updated it, that it has it even has a string tuning where I can just touch a string and it plays the sound of the string for the kids and stuff. So um, the, my iPad Pro goes with me everywhere. We're pretty fortunate in Jenison because we have Apple TVs in every classroom uh, connected to a sound system in every classroom and a projector and a screen. So uh, like just today, I was working on a sixth grade tune with my sixth graders, and I just put a portion of the score up on the stage be- or up on the screen because the uh, students weren't coming in at the right time, the 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 cello and basses had a descending line and they weren't waiting for them to descend that line, uh, finish that line before they all came in. Of course, just weren't counting their rest properly. But once I showed it on the screen, they all fixed it immediately. So it's funny how you discover those things sometimes in the moment. Um, other than that, I have a lot of apps that, you know, I just throw in for kids like Staff Wars, which you guys have showed me about. There's another one called My Note Games. You know, the day the kid forgets an instrument, I set them down with my iPad and they do My Note Games. Um, with stuff. I, uh, I use a lot of, um, we have these little things called bloggies, which are basically little flash video cameras. And I use those for assessment a lot where the kids will take the camera, go in the other corner or in the other room, record, uh, you know, 30 measures or 16 measures. And, um, I have a system now where with a mail merge and all that stuff, I can do, uh, 60 kids assessments of uh, like 16 to 30 measures and print out, mail merge it with a little document and hand that out the next day. And I can usually get 60 kids assessed in an hour. And I do about those, I, I, a group of 60 about every other week. And I'm really loving that because I feel like I give my kids all little private lessons through that. I know a lot of people do that with Google Classroom and that kind of stuff. I've just found it's a little more efficient for me if I just have the kids do it while they're in class. So talk a little bit more about that. You you send the kids back with the video camera. How do they submit that to you? So the camera has storage in it. Um, you know, it has. So then I just take the camera and plug it into my computer, uh, dump each of the videos onto my computer, put them in a folder, label it whatever assessment we are. And then um, so I'll have the the um, the file, the folder with all the files in it on one side of my screen. On the other side, I do a, I just have a spreadsheet and the kid's name is is the first column. And then the next five columns are tone, intonation, rhythm, technique, and musicianship. And then I have a comments category column. And then the last column is totals up their score. So if the excerpt, you know, sometimes let's say it's 16 measures long, it might take them 45 seconds to play it. And I can usually, you know, listen to a kid and uh, while I'm listening, I'm typing comments about what I'm hearing, and I have the video up there. So if I need to watch for string players, visuals really important. I don't understand how you band and choir directors do it because if I he- see something in a kid, I c- I can know just by looking at them if they're not doing it right, if their bow's not straight, if their fingers aren't in the right place or whatever. 
you vocalists, you know, you stand there and you're like, raise your soft palate like the shape of an <laughs> egg. And <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So um, for us, everything's very visual. So, um, or, you know, no, it's OK. They, they don't know what they're actually saying when they say that anyway. It's OK. It's all right. <laughs> you know, or band directors. Right. I mean, a kid could be sitting there holding a clarinet and you don't know if there's a sound coming out or not. I don't, it's amazing to me anyway. So. Um, <laughs> but, um, so the video really helps me and then I can analyze, you know, give the kids a grade, a, a evaluation, each of the thing. And then I take that spreadsheet and I mail merge it with a template I've created that has a, a, the rubric basically for tone and the rubric for intonation and all the things and descriptors. And then it merges in my comments. And so then they get a little piece of paper with the grade an explanation of all the comments and then my comment at the bottom, which is like their little private lesson. And uh, I'll do three of those rough two to three of those every quarter, every nine weeks is the system we're on here. And uh, so it's like three little private lessons for the kids. And then when you do you print those um, little sh uh, sheets out for the kids or do you email it to them or what? I do print it because I haven't figured a way to connect, you know, with an email thing. It, it would just be another step to enter their email address in there or something like that. But I print up four to a sheet of eight and a half by 11 paper. So a class of 60 is only uh, 15 sheets of paper. So, right. you know, and then chop them up. Do you guys have some kind of learning management system or anything in your school or? No, I mean, the district uses power school for its grading and all that kind of stuff. Is that what you mean? Okay. But, well, nothing like Google Classroom or Schoology or anything like that. I mean, people can jump on Google Classroom if they want. Um, our music department uses Charms. Have you guys heard of that? I have. Charms is wonderful for me for just the management of everything. I mean, like just 15 minutes ago, I sent, uh, or t maybe longer, however long we've been talking, um, <laughs> I, uh, I sent an email to all my students that their apparel orders are due tomorrow. I can text message them if, you know, something is up it's just great for that and then they can submit recordings through that so i'll do that instead of um google classroom mostly just because i mean uh, my band directors use the google classroom thing because they like it but i just find that um charms it's built into the app so i just have to tell them to do one app and if the kids don't have a phone or whatever then um they can usually do it on a, their computer which of course they can do a google classroom too my big thing that i find is when i send it and I'd wonder what you guys had experienced with this is if I have them do it at home, I still have 10 to 15% that don't do it, you know, typical for any assignment, but yeah, there's always that percentage of kids that I have to catch up with back here at school still. So it's, it's not just yeah. you, <laughs> but I can get 60 kids recorded in an hour. I have four of those bloggies cameras. And, um, I mean, if you want to make it the best, I always have one kid recording and then I have one kid in the room who's being recorded. So one kid's holding the camera, doing the actual recording, and then one kid's being recorded, and then one kid's waiting outside. And then um, I'll have three or four rooms that are doing that, and then I'm teaching the rest of the class while they're doing this. And with the high school kids, you know, it takes one or two tests, and then pretty soon they're all trained, and I can get through a class of 60 in an hour easily. So, How do you send those kids out? Do you send them out by section or by row? or? So, yeah, like my... You know, this is nice thing for the orchestra is I'll have 16 first violins, 16 second violins. So the first and second chair go out. And then when the first chair comes back, the third chair goes. And then when the second chair comes back, the fourth chair goes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. 
So, and they're pretty good at policing it themselves and stuff. My uh, junior high director does it too. So she um, kind of trains them for me, which is helpful. It's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so do, you, do any students use electronic music in any way in, in terms of like sheet music or anything? Yeah, we don't, we're not a one-to-one district. Um, that's something Jenison's, I, I don't know, they would say avoided, but hasn't pursued. Um, we do have carts of Chromebooks and um, all that kind of thing. And I, I kind of agree with you, Chris, what you've said before is Chromebooks have kind of won, whereas for us, tablets are much more effective and I think, you know, useful and stuff. Uh, I do have kids who will are interested in composition or stuff, so I will have them do stuff on flat.io um, and submit things and share it with me. It was kind of nice because the district is a Google district for our email and all that stuff. So their school login works in flat. So that's just a switch that your district administrator has to turn on and they automatically can have flat, you know, available to them. And having that one less login is huge. It's really nice. Yeah, you, I agree with you 100%, Paul. Um, but as far as kids reading off of, you know, I heard you guys talk about that in the last podcast. Um, we're not there yet. I do with my iPad Pro. I am very rarely using a paper score anymore. Um, but as far as the kids themselves, we're not there. But gosh, I'm sure you guys are the same way. You know, you photocopy. Even if I just do a little uh, warm-up for the kids, you know, you got to photocopy 60, you know, total diff- of all the different parts and different copies and everything. Sure, it would be nice just to email to them all and say, here, open this up and let's work on it for something you may. Oh, that would be very nice. Yeah, for something you may only use one time. Now, do you guys do anything with smart music or any of the other green note, red note things in your school? Yeah, we we don't. We The band had a smart music uh, subscription for a little while, but they got away from it. I think they're finding that the Google Classroom thing, and for us, the other way I submit stuff is more effective. My choir director um, in Charms, again, has the ability to just upload accompaniments. So he's gotten really excited about that. So when the kids are doing their tests, the, the accompaniment is right there for them, and they can sing it when at home or whatever, and then they um, have the accompaniment right there for them. So... Um, and for me, the big thing with smart music for orchestra is for a long time, the microphone really couldn't recognize string players. And the few times I've played with it, um, it hasn't worked. I haven't done it in a long time, so I don't know if they've gotten better with that, but it's been a real problem. For a while, I was actually working for Alfred doing um, uh, basically lessons. They would publish a piece, and then it would say in there, assignments are included and then a person could go into smart music and there would be assignments that were created and the me uh, you know I was one of the people that would create the or tell the kids watch out for the c sharp here watch out for the f sharp here so I know that's in there now but um I have never really used it do either of you use it I've backed away from using smart music like you said you know it's kind of it's almost easier just to do it through (coughs) excuse me through a Google Classroom, so and it's one less thing to pay for. Yeah, and we're dealing with finances. Yeah, and we, we have finance issues. So, you know Well the cost is huge, right? Although it's better than it used to be, you know, with their new with the new smart music, it ends up being I think somewhere around forty dollars for I don't know how many students. Set of twenty students or I can't remember what the number is, but it, I think it works out to be about eight dollars a year per student under that new plan. Yeah, I shouldn't have said the cost is huge. What I meant is it's it's a factor always of something to consider. Oh, yeah. You no, know? Yeah. 
but I mean, it used to be huge. It used to be thirty dollars per student, you know, and uh, we there's no way we're gonna do that. So do you guys have your large school district? You have four orchestras in the high school, probably three three bands minimum, right? Two, maybe a couple choirs, maybe or three bands, five choirs, at the high school. Holy cow! Do you guys have any other non-traditional music performance classes as well in your curriculum? Yeah, we do not. It's um, I mean, there's a jazz band that meets outside of school. Um, uh, it meets one hour a day after school, um, but. Uh, we do, especially in the orchestra program and the choir program, incorporate a lot of uh, non-traditional styles. I'm really big into alt styles. Um, this year will be a jazz unit at the um, at the junior high. We alternate years with our jazz unit based on when the kids um, come up, and then we include electric string instruments. And uh, so I have a set of electric strings, uh, which is really fun. And then sometimes we'll even plug those into like for MIDI controllers and they can play funny sounds on them or delay pedals on them and that kind of stuff. So I do that in the classroom, but I don't have anything outside the classroom. I do have, uh, I also teach for Jenison an online music class because we have a online academy, they call it through a, it's called the Jenison International Academy. And it's something they've done to try and pick up non-traditional students in the area and stuff. So I teach an online music class. This year I've only got one student in there, but he's really into composition so I found this online site called theartofcomposing.com and he has videos up there for like every step and sequence of composing and then a worksheet that goes with each video and then my student submits the um, the lesson to me using flat.io and then uh, shares that with me through Billboard or Blackboard, you know, what they use um and uh, and that's been really great. The kids really learning a lot about um, uh, you know compositional tools and everything like that. I've never seen that art of composing. Yeah, I think it's artofcomposing.com, and uh, it's pretty great. It's a free uh, free subscription, and you get I think 10, 10 or fifteen lessons. And uh, he's on lesson four right now, and it's talking um, basically about the musical sentence. So it's phrasing and where cadences go and, and those kind of things. And uh, if you've got a kid who's interested in composing, I'd highly recommend it. I'm really impressed with what they're, what he's doing with it. And so he's got videos and text-based materials. Both. So there's a video, right. So every, like there's uh, like lesson four, you know, we'll have a title and then um, it's a video and it's a short video, like, I don't know, seven minutes, maybe uh, five to 10, definitely. And then, um, and then there's a worksheet that goes with the video. So they watch the video, and then the, usually the worksheet is like, here's a sample of a sentence. Now make your own musical sentence. Make sure you're following these rules. Check it out. And then I go in and, um, you know, say, yeah, I like your ideas, or, oh, you missed this, or um, whatever. That's awesome. It's pretty cool if you have those kids who, you know, you see the spark with, especially composition, because we so rarely, although you guys have mentioned, but get a chance to do true composition with kids well i don't know if i'd call it true composition but we're we're writing notes on a page and we're trying (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say paul are you doing the note flight this year yep yep i'm doing note flight um haven't had time to dig into it a whole lot but um Mm -hmm. once we get through with this marking period and switch over trimesters are going to do some more dan do you guys do composition stuff much in class with your orchestra kids 
I hit a, I, I, I have like a four year rotation of stuff. So um, one year I'll do composition, kind of introduction to composition. Uh, the other year I, I make all my kids do a podcast about a pop, a, a pop artist that they're interested in. And then I do a music history thing the other year. And then the fourth year is a theory thing that I kind of cycle through over the four years. Um, I imagine you guys are better at the composition thing from what I've heard than I am. So I don't know about that, but we play with it at least. Do you, what are you doing note flight on their own devices? Basically I've got three or four iPads, you know, here that they're free to use. And I do send a few of those home with some of the kids every now and then, but they'll stop in before after school or at lunchtime if they don't have their own device. So I was wondering if you don't mind me asking, why did you choose note flight over flat? I had to make a choice <laughs> and I just said, let's go note flight. I, I really don't know. I don't know. I just went that way. And you know, you know, you know what? I do remember we were, we tried both of them with the kids and I, I pulled the kids a year ago and I said, which one do you guys want to go with? And they chose note flight. And it wasn't like an overwhelming majority by any means, but more of them said, yeah, let's do note flight. So, cause they're really a, pretty equal on both ends so they really are i find um that note flight seems a little more like finale so people who have experience with finale seem attracted to note flight yeah the other thing that caught my attention with note flight too is that they were um they, they allow you to record audio so you can put your you know notation in there and then you can record your audio of course now I found out that you have to have like a real computer to do that, but that's beside the point. <laughs> we're lucky um, in Jenison. We're still an we're an Apple school, so everything's Macs and uh, Apple TVs and stuff. So my love for iPad works really well with that. Uh, are you guys Apple schools or? We are not. I'm like the only teacher um, with iPads besides our special ed department, and everyone else has um, laptops or. Chromebooks, and we're we're tend to be a kind of a mixed bag here. Um, every teacher has a Mac to use, and of course, I teach at a one-to-one -one iPad school, but not all of our schools are. So, you know, we have seventeen schools in our district, or something like that, and uh, most of them have Chromebook carts and iPad carts to use in various places. So, um, there's definitely an Apple emphasis here, but I I wouldn't go as far as to say that we're an Apple school district. Well, we, we have so many, you know, uh, our elementary uh, teachers um, all have GarageBand um, on, on uh, iPads and they're doing composition, um, you know, in GarageBand or creation in GarageBand at our elementary schools and stuff. And then my little podcast project that I do, I just have a, they have to make a five minute podcast where they pick uh, two representative songs of an artist that they're interested in. And then they have to include, it's got minimums, you know, like you have to include minimum 30 second clips of each thing. And then I have to max them out because otherwise they would just play this artist's music, but um, maximum of like 45 seconds or something. And then they have to talk about background about the artist and all those kind of things. And that's been great for me discovering what my kids are listening to and what my students hear in their music and all that kind of stuff. It's usually eye opening and uh, gratifying. And they're just using their own devices for that. No, in that case, we go down to the library and check out the iPads. Or actually, no, um, 
I think we do those on the Mac. Yeah, we do those on the MacBook Pros. They, they have, we have MacBook carts, um, so they, they'll do the podcast recording on the MacBook just because GarageBand really slows things down. And we're, we're about to buy new ones, but right now we're still using iPad 2s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but the main reason for the using the laptops is the microphone and all the other stuff, you know. It's easier for them to drop, drop their music in than it is on the iPads and all that kind of stuff. And you do that all in class in your room or do you do it down in the library or where? Yeah, we'll go down to the library and I, I usually use it like after festival when we need a break. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a week off and of playing and um, it will just do five days and then I have like goals for each day. So Monday is pick your artist and uh, start uh, collecting your music and, you know, thinking about what you do, your research on your artist and those kind of things. And then. Tuesday is the day where I start showing them, uh, show them how to download clips from YouTube so they can, if they want um, the music that way or whatever. And Wednesday, we start talking about GarageBand and show them how to do stuff in GarageBand. And then they have usually two days to put it all together and record their voice and stuff. Um, you were talking, Dan, earlier about using tonal energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like when I use it in my classroom, I'm pretty basic. I like throw it up there and I say, play. And we check and see if they're in tune, but there's so much more into that app. Have you really dug in with your kids and used some of the other functions? Well, you know, not as much with, like the kids doing stuff, but um, it, it's uh, I, I agree with you is that it's, I think for band, it's really great. The way that it focuses in and makes the smiley face. Yep. And then now I've noticed as the smiley face gets bigger, the longer they're in tune. Yep. Um, or the more they're in tune. Um, I haven't dug in very deep on it. The nice thing for me, again, being a string player, is at the bottom, There's a it, if you, you want it to play a tone, um, there used to be just the pitch wheel, and now um, it'll do strings. And I think it even does a guitar now um, down there. Well, there's a keyboard, and it's uh, string tuning. That's what it is. And then I can um, set it up so I've got violin, viola, cello, and the bass, and um, put those up on the screen, and then... Uh, use those to play the starting pitches where we tune every day our instruments. Of course, in an orchestra, we've got four strings times the number of kids in the classroom that all have to be tuned. So I spend a fair amount of time tuning at the beginning of the day. So, um, But I haven't dug in too deep. I mean, the metronome options are so great. And um, uh, I want to spend some time when I have some time on this new analysis tab that's at the bottom and what that does. I have a senior in high school who was in marching band too, so... <laughs> Oh yeah, your own stu- uh, your own kid. Yeah, my daughter. So, so Dan, you've done some presentations too at at some conferences. What are some of the topics you've covered, and what are some of the topics that you're hoping to cover in the future? Boy, that's a good question. Well, the one that you were um, you know around was um, we did a I did a session with my friend Burke Loki, who's another orchestra director, and we just said um, it, we just called it fifty easy ways to use technology in a performance based classroom. Um, which is just because I think a lot of times people just don't know where to start and they just need like a, a window in. Um, and uh, one of my fun ones that always comes out of that one that I love is called Padlet, which is not even a, um, a, uh, a music thing, but it's just a, a, like a, a, you know, digital blackboard. And you put it up in the front of the classroom and I'll, for every piece we do, I'll put the, a picture of the composer in the center of the screen and I'll say with your phones or whatever you want, you need to find a fact about this composer 
and then they'll post it on their phone and it shows up on our screen. So then we'll get a huge conglomeration of all the information about the composer. And the nice thing is you just save that and I've got it for the whole time we're working on the piece. So if something new comes up, we can add to it or I can refer to it when we're doing the work or something. So, you know, like right now we're doing Hallelujah Chorus for our Christmas concert. And so the other day we put um, Handel up there and um, talked about his background and where he's from and the kids um, discovering all this stuff. And what I always like to do is have them relate the time period that we're rehearsing to their American history classes and what was going on in America at the same time. And um, do they understand that correlation? Because a lot of times they don't see that. So um, as far as future, I'm thinking a lot about um, technology and assessment because we spend so much time on assessment. I'm sure you guys are having the same push we are. It's all, what are you doing to assess, assess? And um, I'm lucky now that I've been doing this recordings of kids that I can go back to every one of my seniors and I have a recording of how they played their first day, well, their first week of their freshman year. And uh, it's really fun to play that for those kids when they're seniors and say, look how far you've come. And so I'm with this spreadsheet stuff that I'm doing and um, looking at ways and I did a, a professional development for our district this year on it, um, ways of streamlining that and um, making it more effective. And, and it's reasonable for me that at the end of this year, every one of my kids could go home with a folder of uh, about a dozen, well, it'd be more than that. Well, let's say a dozen playing tests since their freshman year and really hear how their playing has evolved. And I'm kind of excited by that. Where are you storing all those recordings, those videos? Google Drive. Yeah, because it's, it's unlimited for teachers. That's great. Uh, it's... I, when I started the process, it started because in Michigan, we have these assessment requirements and you have to show growth in all your students and whatnot. And so I asked my principal, I was like, what do you want me to do with these videos? Because it's the best way to do it. And he says, well, buy a hard drive and put them on there. So I started that and filled it up in the first year. <laughs> yep. And now Google Drive is unlimited. So it's all up there. If I could really organize it really well, I could go in and, you know, create a folder for each kid, put all their things in there, and then share the folder with the kids. I'm not that organized. Right now it's sorted by, you know, when the uh, assessment was given and which class it was given to. So where will we see Chris and Paul in the future? I'll be at the Michigan Music Conference. <laughs> Yay me. <laughs> I'll be there too. <laughs> yeah, I will not be at that one this year. Uh, it's... <laughs> It's a long story, but we have a new principal, so I was very cautious about um, applying for for anything. So the only thing I applied for was Texas, and uh, originally I didn't get in, but I just got an email the other day, and they're now inviting me to come down and talk about sight singing. So I'll be going down to Texas, but uh, you know, I, was, I was thinking, Paul, I know you're using Seesaw, and it sounds like that might be something that you might want to look at, Dan, an idea of ways to store those as a portfolio for your kids. I don't know if there's an easy way to drop things in from the teacher's perspective, but that might be, and because it's there's a free version, that might certainly be an option. I've heard about that. I didn't know much about it. Do you have any information, Paul? I've been using it for a few years now with my middle school kids, and uh, it's just so stupid easy for them to submit recordings, and they take pictures of, uh, you know, tests that we do or worksheets. And um, so, yeah, I have all that stuff stored in Seesaw for um, the last three years. I think I've been using it now. 
And I don't know, you know, I haven't paid anything for it really yet, so I don't know how much they're going to allow me to store for free. <laughs> so is it based on, it, there's a size limit, gigabytes, not number of students or anything like that? I haven't found any limits on it yet. Oh. You know, my, my kids, my, my middle school classes aren't that huge, you know, 45, 50. Yep. And we record a couple times a semester and uh, put lots of worksheets and compositions and such in there. So, you know, it's a lot like Google. It's just a different way to do it. But like I said, it's for my middle schoolers, we have the three iPads in class that they just come up and grab it. And it doesn't, it doesn't take any time at all for them to take a picture of something and, and submit it. And then I don't lose it. And I can write on that send it back to the kids. Next time they sign in, they can take a look at what I wrote. And so they see that feedback. And, you know, they go back in the back and they do a recording. Then it's goes right over to my device and it's it's all connected. And it keeps me a lot more organized. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I discovered this year um, in Charms, this thing that I'm using that um, uh, I can have everything barcoded with the kids' names on it that I hand out. So I gave them all a sheet of um, barcode labels. So anytime they turn something in now, um, they put this barcode label on it. And then I have a scanner, you know, <laughs> a little gun-like scanner. And then I just go through a stack of them and I just click the barcodes. And Charms tells me they're all turned in or not. It's the greatest thing ever. It saves me so much time <laughs> checking in, you know, handbook forms or whatever I'm collecting um, just to make sure it's all turned in. So it's so great. That's a really good use. <laughs> it, it's well, you know, it started the year, right? You need a handbook. You want all the kids to send the handbook form home to fill out and turn it in and stuff. And so they bring it back in signed with mom's name. And I've got a stack of um, 120 of those forms. I got to check in and give them their points for And now I just go bing, 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 bing with the scanner. And it tells me who hasn't turned it in. I write those names on the board. So it's great. How are you scanning those with your phone or what? No, I bought a $30, um, you know, hand scanner from, laser scanner from, um, uh, barcode scanner from uh, Amazon. It was 30 bucks. Yeah, that's well worth the money. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it saved me tons of time. It, well, it's, it, this is, I think my biggest motivation in technology is the mundane things that we all have to do that everybody's done. When you can do it with a toy, when I can do it with my iPad or when I do it with whatever, it's much more enjoyable to do for me than any of the other ways to do it. So in the end, a lot of times I'm using tech because it makes it more fun for me to do it than it is to not do it. You know, just grading playing tests. I When I started, I did them with a tape recorder <laughs> and I sat with a cassette recorder <laughs> and pushed play and then I hand wrote all these things out and everything like that. And just evolving to doing a mail merge and all that stuff. I mean, pushing merge on that mail merge and having uh, 60 playing tests generated and everything is so satisfying, you know, <laughs> watching that happen. I'm sure you guys feel the same way about different things. So I know I was going to ask you, Dan, too. I asked you if, ahead of time if there are any other topics you wanted to cover. Was there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to address? I guess I was wondering for you guys um, about the discipline side of technology. If there's been a change, because you guys have been teaching about the same amount of time as I have, is, you know, is that how much technology has affected the discipline in my classroom, which is at sometimes I want them all to have their phones. And then other times I want them to really put the dumb things away <laughs> and not be, you know, near them. And um, so I started to think my thing this year, my solution this year is I have a, a, a shoe holder up on the wall. And if I see a phone at a time I don't want them, then I 
take them and put them in the shoe holder and they can just get them at the end of class. And I even started putting uh, some plugs in there to charge them, uh, to charge devices. And now kids are putting them in there themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're coming into class and I'm putting my thing in the shoe holder so it can charge for the hour. Um, <laughs> uh, do you guys have any issues about the technology, you know, discipline side of technology? I do, you know, and I, I kind of do the same policy as you is. I don't freak out too much about it. If a kid has a phone sit on the music stand, I don't, I don't really even think twice about it until I say one, two, ready, play, or I'm trying to explain something to their section and I see them holding their phone and playing with it. And then I have a box, cardboard box. I walk up, I hold it out, and they can choose to either put it in there or if I have to actually physically take it, then they don't get it till the end of the school day. It works. Sometimes I'll pass the box around at the beginning of the hour, you know, just because I don't want to even think about it throughout the hour. But, yeah, I have the same issue as you. See, as we're a one-to-one school, we have a whole little different scenario. And um, we don't have it solved yet, but the tools are getting much better. There's there's now Apple Classroom if you're a one-to-one school where you can, if your schools, your devices, are, if your devices are enrolled in a school management program, with Apple, you can actually see what kids are doing on those iPads. And so if you've got that running, you can see who's off task and that sort of thing. So that's that saves a lot of trouble. Um, the phones are still an issue because the phones aren't limited in any way. So um, we, we continue to ask that discussion. We know there's a couple schools up here um, that have recently banned phones altogether. So if the if they're seen, they're, they're confiscated and that's it. So, um, but we're not there. But we, we have this thing where we have red zones, yellow zones, and green zones. Green zones means you can use the phone all the time, and those would be hallways and the lunchroom. Yellow zones are teachers, and that's that's up to the teacher's discretion. Although, um, like Paul and I used to talk about, if, if there's any teacher that thinks that people aren't using phones in their classroom, they're fooling themselves because that's, you know. And then there's, there's the red zones in places like locker rooms and bathrooms where they're not supposed to be used ever. I know our band director took the marker to her yellow poster and marked it red, <laughs> you know, for her band room to make it a red zone, um, which isn't really the intent. But the, the idea is, you know, to use it as you will. But again, I, I come from the mindset. I just look around at our faculty meetings and I watch all the people on their devices. And um, and that's not picking anybody, because if I bring my devices, I want to be doing something else, too. So I, I typically just go with my Apple Watch. So if there's an emergency text message, it's going to pop up on my my watch, but then I, I don't have the, the challenge of being distracted by my iPad or my iPhone or my MacBook um, instead of doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is paying attention or trying to pay attention at a meeting. So I, I, I do try to, to live up what I ask my students to do, but, you know, again, then you get the argument that we're adults and they're kids, but, you know, the truth is we're all kids at heart. So it's management's fun. <laughs> Well, it's it, it's been my thing with technology is when is it a technology problem and when is it a behavior problem and to separate the two. So, um, but it's funny you bring up the um, Apple Watch because I've found that the Apple Pencil uh, makes all the difference in people's perceptions of my technology, which is that before if I brought an iPad, they're like, oh, what are you doing checking Facebook or something like that? But now because I'm holding an Apple Pencil, people are like, wow, he's taking notes on what we're doing today. <laughs> so uh, just having that Apple Pencil, if you're one of those people easy distracted, makes everybody's perception of you change significantly. So uh, it, it works for me. So, um, of course, I'm always focused. I always am taking notes, of course. So Of course. Yes. Yeah. 
and doing it longhand will help you remember those things better so there you go it, it's it's uh no but it, you guys brought it up once is isn't four score like the greatest tool ever for teachers i mean in the classroom it just there's so much in there yeah and how much have it, have you tapped into <laughs> Well, it's, I, this is, you don't know what you don't know, but I mean, I do a lot with it, like as far as using it to organize the scores and all those kind of things. And then having that metronome handy right there or the tuner sometimes is so helpful. And the Apple Pencil's taking it to another level because for me, you know, marking in Boeings or, you know, whatever we're going to do with it is so great. But then how much do we not know? And how much do you have that displayed on your screen when you're doing that stuff? That's a good question. I'm, it's about, you know, I would say I probably bring it up once a week or once every other week. Um, just, you know, like there's a rhythm that they are. For me, the big thing is getting Boeings. This is the orchestra side of things. Getting Boeings to kids is always a, an issue. And um, it, it's funny. Wind players never understand. There, we have a down bow and an up bow. We have two choices. But we will spend hours fighting over it and, and all the options and all these kind of things. And, um, uh, so, but sometimes the easiest thing for me to just put it up on the screen and say, here's the Boeing and just show them in the score. So that's really helpful with that. Um, uh, I don't do enough of that. I find the younger kids are more interested in, in what's in my score than my older kids are. Uh, my sixth graders, you know, will, will totally focus on look what the violas have. The high schoolers are like, who cares? Just let me play my notes. You know, so. <laughs> I like doing that on the screen. So the kids know that I've written it in my music and I'm going to hold them accountable. And, you know, a week from now when we get there and I go, did we write this in? And half of them are like, no, we never wrote this in. <laughs> and I go, yeah, we did. Cause I can show you right here. And uh, wow. so it holds them accountable. That's a great idea. Yeah. Just say, okay, write this in and even like this or whatever. Yeah. That's a good idea. Well, the other d idea is to actually just, teach students how to write in their music too is a whole nother deal you know we have an entire process in our school where we teach how to annotate reading and there's this whole process they've got posters up in every room but the fact is that the skill of annotating in music is is a skill too that needs to be learned and they can't learn that if they don't see it so if they actually see us doing it then that can change things but i'll, I'll never forget early on when i had that discussion and argument over the web with that one creator of the app who, you know, real musicians don't need to annotate their music. And it's like, oh, tell professional orchestra players that, you know, they don't need to annotate in their music. My kids are always leery, you know, it's, it's kind of like, oh, I'm too good to write it in my music. And I'll show them my music that I'm working on in my ensembles. And I'll go, look, I do the same thing. I'm not asking you to do anything different from what I do, so. Well, when I started teaching, I bought, um uh, green and white pencils for every kid. Green and white are our school colors. And uh, they were green pencils and then white, they said magic pencil. And I've gotten away from it, but I, I, I would see, I say, you all get a magic pencil. And they would go, why is it magic? And I'd say, because when you use it, you never forget. <laughs> and I'd make <laughs> a big deal out of it. Everybody have their magic pencils. So um, another time I was going through, I would say, um, do you have your future with you? And they would say future, and I would say, yeah, if you use your pencil, then in the future, you'll remember what you wrote today. And then, you know, kid would have to look at me and say, I have no future, Mr. Scott, so. You know, and that metronome works remarkably well over airplay, too. Does it really? I haven't tried that. That's a good point. I always used to, I refer to tonal energy. And well, now with the, um, you know, the multitasking in the iPad Pro, 
Um, I'll have both up at once, but. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, the nice thing for an orchestra, and you probably feel the same with a band, is having that visual cue in the score, while, you know, because you can't always hear the, um, for you as a conductor, I'm talking about, you know, for me as a conductor, standing on the podium, having that, that blinking screen um, helps me in, in uh, four score. Yeah, that was really freaking my kids out the other day because I displayed that. Like, oh. Why is your screen blinking? I'm like, that's the tempo. So it took him so a you while. Have, you you have an Apple TV too. Yep, yep. Yeah. Took him a while. Is it when it goes in or is it when it goes out? Yeah. Caught their attention for a while. Awesome. So, Dan, I was going to ask um, if there's other orchestra teachers out there. Um, this is all combined. What message would you have for them? And do you have any resources? Do you have a blog going or anything uh, where people can look to you for some help? Well, that's really nice of you. I don't have a blog going. Um, I would say that uh, I'm on the board of the Michigan chapter of the American String Teachers Association. And we have a site called mastanotes.com. Is that right? No, it's astamichigan, astamichigan.org, A-S-T-A-Michigan.org. And we have a, a link in there called Mastanotes where... Uh, we put up stuff and everything, and when this is published, I'll definitely put this up there. And uh, we also have um, a kind of a, some interviews with some uh, experienced teachers and stuff. But um, So that's my resource, um, and I forgot the first question. <laughs> well, just what, what message, like if there are orchestra teachers out there that are like, eh, you know, Paul and Chris, Chris is coming from a choral background, Paul's band, this stuff doesn't really apply to me. What what messages would you have for them? Yeah, I mean, I just, I guess the thing is, is uh, don't be scared of technology. At one time, you know, the the uh, the um, the bow, the frog of the bow, as it's designed now with a screw to tighten it, was revolutionary technology. And at one time, the fine tuner that's on every string instrument now was a was revolutionary technology. And at one time, the the uh, gearhead of a bass was revolutionary technology and there's things that we can do that connect our kids to this so much um i just unfortunately in a lot of ways the medium is the message so i can discuss handel just verbally giving them stuff and maybe them writing something on but as soon as they can search it on their own phone and then it's posted in a place that's on the web that we can all see their connection to it is much greater than it used to be and we it, or than it is the other way and um this is a part of the kids lives and if we try and pretend it's not there or it doesn't exist uh we're not going to tap into where our kids are at and i think my biggest joy in teaching is i have my orchestra program here there's four of us you know directors now but we have 550 string players uh in a school district of 5000 kids that's uh, 5000 is kindergarten through 12th grade uh, the orchestra program is fifth through twelfth grade, so I have ten percent of the school, over ten percent of the school district, playing violin, viola, cello, or bass, and and that's that. There's something to be said that, um, you know, we're my kids at the fall concert. We played, you know, Mozart Symphony Number no. Twenty Five, and uh, it's one thing to listen to it, but as you both know, it's much different to perform it. And so we took something that's three hundred years old, and the kids were totally geeked about it the whole time we worked on it and everything like that. And you have to get them from where they're at to appreciating what we're talking about. And why not use these tools and resources that they love and are a part of anyway to get them there. 
And that discussion you had, or that the topic of fifty ways to use technology in any classroom, whatever it was. Yeah. Are are those notes available anywhere that people are interested in what those fifty ways were? Yeah, it's a Google Doc. I could uh, just give that to you to put in our notes or something if you'd like. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, be I'll, I'll share that with you. And uh, it's just uh, we just Burke and I, Burke Loki. He's teaching orchestra in St. Joseph, Southern South uh, Southwest Michigan. And uh, we update it every once in a while, and uh, it's, I have to check and make sure all the links are working, but there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I added uh, Staff Wars when I met you guys. Which version, I guess, is the other question. Well, it's a thing, right? Um, Staff Wars and then Staff Wars Live. Oh, that's, yeah. It was 64-bit, yes. isn't it? Th those are still around, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they go. made it through the yeah. apocalypse, yes. Exactly. <laughs> apocalypse. Well it took said. a while to learn how to say that. I had to work on it. <laughs> so, Paul, do you have any other questions for Dan? I know I have to get running here pretty soon. So, I do not. It's been a joy talking to you, Dan. Appreciate you coming on, man. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. This is such a great resource. And, um, and this is what it really is about, is just sharing. And uh, you guys have really done a nice thing. And hopefully we can have you come back on again sometime if you're open to it. Because I'm sure we've just scratched the surface here. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, and let me know if I can help in any way. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, well, hey, Dan, thanks for coming and joining us and uh, for spending some time with us. We'll take a look at – there's a lot of things I'm going to have to go through and uh, link later on, and, and maybe we can get that 50 Ways presentation in there. But thank you for your time today. It's been just a pleasure to talk to you. All right, and thanks for listening to the Music Education Technology Podcast. Uh, keep checking our new site, which is hosted archive.org, and, of course, our website, metpodcast.wordpress.com. And also, uh, if you have any emails that you'd like to respond to Paul and I, it's medpodcast at gmail.com, M-E-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. So, Paul, thanks for coming today and, and visiting with us. And again, Dan, thanks for been, coming with us on the podcast today. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it, guys.